Hello, you're listening to the Hands to the Plow podcast with John and Helen Free. We're the co-founders of Kateri College of the Liberal and Practical Arts. This podcast is dedicated to discussions on higher education, the Catholic Church in America, and the need to approach education in a new and innovative way in order for young people to find their vocations to heaven. In this episode, we are interviewed by Tom McNew of the Armor of God Radio, KOOV 106.9, broadcasting out of Central Texas, as part of their Hometown Heroes segment. You can visit them at www.armorofgodradio.com. Thanks to them for allowing us to use this audio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is uh, Tom McNew, and I am with John and Helen Free, who, like a lot of our hometown heroes, uh, are just doing some great work. And I want to give them a chance to introduce all our Central Texas listeners to their mission. I'm not going to spoil the surprise. I'm going to bury the lead here. (laughs) Uh, To their mission and uh, their calling. So, John, Helen, welcome to another edition of the Hometown Heroes. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. So we're recording this uh, well in advance of its broadcast date. You guys are in the midst of your Lenten journey, which I think is a good segue to let you guys talk about that big RV that's out there in the in the street. <laughs> that's right. Well, I guess you saw it when you came in, Tom. Yeah. No, it's a it's a thirty two foot Forest River uh, bunkhouse, and it's uh, we've uh, christened it Tekawitha after Saint Kadiri Tekawitha, and we left our home of Gallup, New Mexico, in late September uh, for what is now a five month, nearly ten thousand mile road trip. To promote a new venture, uh, Kateri College of the Liberal and Practical Arts, which we are hoping, with the Lord's help, uh, to found in in New Mexico, and uh, we've been traveling around the country, visiting with potential students, potential benefactors, asking for people's support and and prayers, and uh, we're we're winding down now. We're heading back to New Mexico next next week, and then we'll have a lot of follow up to do with the seeds that we've planted and, and prayed for. Yeah, well, for me, I'm happy to be back in Central Texas because <laughs> I spent the um, years 1999 to 2006 at Baylor, where I got my That's PhD right. in English literature. But before that, I was in uh, the University of Dallas. So I was a, a fortunate Texan from 1992 to 2006. Um, so I'm happy to be back in, in Central Texas right now. But even more, John and I are really excited about this calling that the Lord has asked us to do, Mm -hmm. um, which is to found a new type of hybrid college, which combines the best strengths of the, of the liberal arts with a practical, a practical trade, um, very specific, we call it, uh, meat and potatoes trade. So something like a electrician, plumber, um, construction, diesel mechanic, what we've seen, because the two of us, we both have PhDs in English literature, okay. um, but we're not uh, we're not coneheads. <laughs> <laughs> so we try to be relatively normal academics. And one of the things we both uh, 
individually noticed. You used air quotes when you said normal <laughs> academics for, for those of us. We're on radio, so. <laughs> Relatively normal. But one of the things we both noticed uh, in our combined roughly 30 to 40 years now of, um, of higher education, teaching higher education, is there's such a disconnect between the uh, intellectual life or the elite life, the academic life, with the the working class, with mm -hmm. the muscular class, and there's a growing divide in our country between those two things. So there's a sense that our cultural expectation that you have to go to college in order to have a good life. Mm -hmm. And yet what we've lost is one, the respect that really was once very widespread, especially in Catholic circles, for uh, for the the virtue of work, the the beauty of work, the dignity of work. Uh, one of the most beautiful saints, of course, is Saint Joseph, and he's one of the patrons of our of our college. But we've lost that sense of the dignity of of the laborer, and we think right now in our American society that to be successful, you have to go and get a four year degree. But what we're seeing more and more is uh, young men and young women who are following the American dream as it's been presented to them over the past 30 or 40 years. And they're, they're ending up being deeply in debt. Uh, they're going to schools which um, quite honestly have become increasingly deviant in what they promote. And from to, a put it, to put it plainly. Yes, exactly. We'll be blunt yeah. <laughs> at this point. And so you have the situation spiritually of, of young men and women really uh, seeing a risk to their own souls with the schools and the and the and the student life that's being promoted, but also equally then they're they're graduating not only with you know, damage to their soul but they're six figures in debt mm -hmm. and they have very little job prospects, and so all the promises that were given to them of oh go ahead and, and get in debt because you're going to get a great job and be able to pay that off yeah. is not is not happening. Whereas you have the the muscular class, the working class, the the blue collar. Uh, tradesmen and women who are increasingly in demand, um, fewer of them. I think the statistic is that we're, we're poised to lose, what was the figure, John? Um, I think uh, 2.3 million within the next 10 years, mm -hmm. tradesmen and women who will retire, leave the workforce without anyone to replace them. So, so the, the, you know, if you think it's difficult now, yeah to get a plumber. Yeah. Imagine what that will be like. Right. So for a point of definition, when yes. you say a, a tradesman, yeah. you're referring to someone, a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter. Mechanic. A mechanic. A skilled trade. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Someone who not necessarily has spent a whole lot of time in a classroom, right. but a lot of time under a hood or behind a hammer. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, or on his or her hands and knees. Right. Uh, laying tile and, and whatnot. Exactly. So a, a, a traditional blue collar kind yes. of job. Yes. And back to, to Helen's point, the this divide between the you know, the the academic path and the vocational or blue collar path, that divide has only increased and calcified in the last half century such that there's a there's mutual misunderstanding and even animosity between these two classes and we see it played out in in the politics of our day with yep. the, with the dismissal of the working class as deplorable or whatever mm -hmm. and also we see it in the strangeness of the academic class uh, the uh, so-called academic elites who are more and more removed from 
from real things, from from reality. Right. Um, and then the corresponding reaction of the working class, realizing that they're denigrated and criticized, then the false conclusion of rejecting books outright, saying, "Well, who needs books if this is what if this is what the result is?" And that's completely foreign to what happened or what took place in this country and this culture and other cultures years ago when in fact there was no animosity there was a sense that each each provided something of value to the common good and the 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 tradesmen and the workers perhaps skilled workers especially of ages past beginning of the 20th century they had great admiration for the intellectual life but it was an intellectual life which which was which was healthier and not corrupt as the intellectual life has become corrupted largely owing to the to the rejection of of the of god and the transcendent can you point to a point where that paradigm has shifted i mean where our society admired mm-hmm. um, the person who was not afraid to get some sweat on their brow and some dirt on their hands. Yeah, I think you, you see it in the, in the 50s on a secondary school level with uh, teachers and even parents making a decision, well, this, this person, this student is college material. Uh-huh. Let's push them towards the college track. And this person is not really college material, by which they meant, whether stated or unstated, they don't have the intellectual capacity. And... We've, we, Helen and I have talked about this often, but the intellectual capacity that a master electrician or a master builder has is on par with the with the intellectual capacity of a of a college professor. It's simply a different it's a different manifestation different, of different intellect. Arena. Yeah, yeah, it's a different arena. Yeah, a different type of brilliance. Mm-hmm. So I think, but I think it goes back to the post-war period. Um, also culturally. In an earlier time, a very small percentage of people went to college mm-hmm. to get liberal arts education. And, uh, and even they, most of them grew up in families and in households where during their teen years, they worked with their mm-hmm. hands. They mm-hmm. were ranchers and tradesmen. So they, they had a connection to the real world and the, and the world of manual work, which today's college uh, graduates and, and especially the postgraduates I think it's interesting, Helen, your article that was in uh, the Catholic thing, which was really uh, profound uh, and really kind of opened my eyes to a reality that I think a lot of us see but are afraid to really admit exists. And you kind of hit on it, John, with that that divide that is occurring between this this idea of a white-collar class of people and a blue-collar class of people mm-hmm. um, that... And, and again, that divide just seems to be becoming greater and greater. Well, there's one of the wish issues that we're seeing right now in regards to this crisis, because it's a crisis not just in education. It's also a crisis in, uh, again, in our very culture, because if you divide it between, like I'm just going to say white collar and blue collar, which is a, a rough and really inappropriate yeah. division. But you got a problem in education in that, uh, again, people are going to the four-year colleges, hoping for a job, um, in some sense investing a lot uh, in a potential job, uh, and not not getting back what they've put in. So yeah. they're graduating deeply in debt. Uh, their soul is is perhaps been uh, in jeopardy. Uh, but then you also equally have a problem 
in the trades and that you've got a lot of people who have not gone to college who might have just dropped out of high school uh, but they don't have an education in virtue. So they don't mm-hmm. have a virtuous background. So now, so now you've got someone who might go into the trades, who might make a lot of money, but who, because of a lack of, of self-discipline um, and because of a lack of virtue, they have a difficulty holding down jobs mm-hmm. or, or advancing in that job because either they're they're on drugs or they're stealing from the till or they just can't you know get up on Monday morning after binging all, all weekend, weekend from mm-hmm. the paycheck that they got on Friday. We spent a lot of time in Wyoming right when the fracking um, industry was really going crazy yeah. in the Dakotas. And we both knew a lot of men who went up to the fracking fields to make a lot of money. Uh, and we also had some students from uh, Wyoming Catholic that went up there as well after graduation because there were so many jobs. What happened up there was that the workers were making great money, yeah. but they yeah. were spending it just as fast, fast. If, as they made it. And then when everything went bust... Then they had all of these things that they had, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful trucks, you know, things like that. And then all got, it got repoed because they never actually had saved anything. Um, but our, some of our students who went up there, and some of this is part of the genesis of our thinking about this. Some of our students that had gone up there had quickly, though they had zero experience in any, any of the you know, natural gas, oil business at all, uh, they quickly rose in the ranks because of... Frankly, they're disciplined. They mm. were disciplined. They were honest. Um, they were they were upright, uh, and they were reliable. And so they quickly began to move into really managerial type positions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they also didn't spend their money on booze and babes, frivolous, frivolous <laughs> so, things. Yeah, yeah, frivolous things. Mm. And we got to think. And a lot of the students from Wyoming Catholic, who came from good uh, Catholic families, a lot of homeschool kids, and they they had a four year you know, straight liberal arts education, kind of hardcore liberal arts education, but with an outdoor component. Well, when they graduated, they didn't want to go on to graduate school. They didn't really want to go on to maybe traditional uh, jobs that uh, folks from classical liberal arts colleges want to go into. They were interested in going into, you know, the cattle ranching business out in Wyoming. They were interested mm-hmm. in, you know, the police force, um, interested in construction. And all of them uh, succeeded and succeeded very quickly in the areas that they pursued precisely because the liberal arts education gave them something that someone without a liberal education doesn't have, which is this, this versatility. Mm-hmm. You're really able to uh, look at a problem and approach it from a number of different different ways. You're not mm-hmm. really pigeonholed in any singular type of thinking. And so mm-hmm. you're able to, to quickly move from this type of learning to another type of learning. So they picked up the, the various trades very quickly. And then they were begin began the mastery of that of whatever the trade was that they'd right. gone into, right. uh, and they did very well. And the students were were highly sought after. So that, that was kind of one of the genesis of our of our thinking about this this whole mm-hmm. project. Mm-hmm. And not and not simply the versatility, but the because of the exposure to great to great literature and basic philosophy and good theology, they had a sense of the transcendent and the dignity of the human person. Which is often in the in the world of trades today, it's often lost. People, yeah. in fact, people go be, even though they're making good money, they go begrudgingly to work because they don't have a sense of this is a provides for the common good. It, it's there's dignity in this work and so on the and value so forth. Of the value, yeah, yeah. yeah, and there's a whole. I mean, as you know, Tom, there's a whole tradition of, of the spirituality of the work going back to 
earliest, uh, you know, St. Benedict himself mm-hmm. when he founds the Benedictines. And that's been lost, yeah. largely. Yeah. And people in in the trades, they have believed the lie of the of the so-called intellectual elite yeah. that somehow their their work is inferior. Well, every work is valuable. Every work can be can be made holy and mm-hmm. can be a, a source of of holiness. And the the church has always understood that. Right. That education component is interesting, and I'm sure when we finally air this, there will be uh, a lot of our listeners will hear. The kids run around the background, and and I'm okay with that because um, I think that's uh, it's a beautiful uh, part of our Catholic faith. So, but that's got to be a little bit daunting. You mentioned this five month, ten thousand mile road trip. Uh, what's it like traveling with uh, three kids who can get bored looking at license plates pretty quickly? <laughs> it's actually been a real um, it's been a real gift actually to be able to have the time uh, with the children. We homeschool regularly anyway so we just took it from homeschooling to what's called road schooling and uh <laughs> that's I mean, our, beautiful our primary vocation and that's why i always assure the the children because our oldest daughter teresa she's worried that will the the college mission will replace them and i said no being a parent is our primary vocation so raising them to be holy men and women hopefully great saints i mean that's our primary vocation so founding a college katiri college is secondary to all that mm-hmm. and so that was really important for us when we we're talking about well it's going to require a lot of uh, fundraising a lot of time on the mm-hmm. road mm-hmm. and either we do it as a family or john and i would be separated for you know, weeks at a time as john went around trying to fundraise or i yeah. or i would leave the kids and i i personally wouldn't do that so we said let's do it as a family and yeah. and see the country and we can talk about civic civic virtues and how beautiful the country is and it's been, uh, I mean, it's been trying. It definitely sure. has been very tiring. But it's also been incredible to be able to see. We, we've been to, I think, 20, how many states at this it point? Will, it will be 24 Yeah, 24. States. So half, 24. half, the, half yeah. the states in the country. And, Five and, months. And your children's ages now? Uh, Teresa is nine okay. and a half. Uh, Joseph is seven. And John Paul is five. Uh, so great ages, wow. actually, for traveling yeah. together in an yeah. RV. Because they're not old enough to want to go off just with their friends, and they're not young enough to you know, get eaten by the alligators yeah. in Florida. You know, they, they have a little bit of self But they will have, I mean, as uh, grade school children, they'll have experienced things that no one else, none of their peers, very few, rather, mm-hmm. of their peers will have ever experienced in traveling to exactly. 24 states. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I think, you know, we have a, a tremendous number I think probably 75% of the population in our listening area either has a direct or an indirect connection to the military. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that that idea of separation. And I, I will tell you, having missed uh, the births of two of my three children, that, yes. that is a very, very, it's a real, unfortunately necessary component of, of, of military life. But So I admire you for the choice that you've made to undertake this as a family. So, so I just have to ask the question. Sure. But why New Mexico? We had a we had a connection there in New Mexico, um, owing to friends, some of whom had come from Wyoming Catholic, and also we happened to have land. Uh, we bought nine acres there years ago. It's a beautiful state. We were married in in uh, in Taos uh, ten years ago now, and we had a close friendship with also with the with the good bishop James Wall, who was there in, yeah. in Gallup. 
Gallup's an unusual city in New Mexico. At least it, it's very different from Albuquerque and Santa Fe. It's much more economically depressed, mm-hmm. and it's in need of of things that can help young people enter the workforce, but also in need of being uplifted right. uh, spiritually. The Navajo Reservation is there. and, and uh, So uh, I think praying about it, and also I guess the other spark for us was uh, New Mexico, in particular, um, Santa Fe was the place of the first foundation of St. Catherine Drexel. Right. So she, her first foundation was in Santa Fe. And seeing that foundation now closed 10 years ago okay. was one of the initial incentives for us. Mm. And we, we found out later, despite the large percentage of Catholics in New Mexico, there's no Catholic college. Mm. in New Mexico and very few in the in the southwest not in Utah Arizona may have one or two and our thought too is that you know Catholic education some schools are doing a great job in terms of transmitting the faith other Catholic schools unfortunately are are not Mm -hmm. and they may because they've lost their identity they may be not long for this world so there will be an increasing need for spots, places at Catholic universities. And I think as as the secular universities become less interested in the pursuit of, of truth, which is what the purpose of a university is, serious Catholics, serious Christians will want, when they do go to college, to go to a place where it has not been politicized um, mm-hmm. in the way that we see happening around us uh, right, all right. the time. Yeah, but New Mexico, you know, so not only did we have a personal connection to New Mexico and just personally love this state, mm-hmm. and the Southwest is, is beautiful weather-wise, uh, when we realized there, there, there was no Catholic university in the entire state of New Mexico, uh, and really in the entire Four Corners region, we realized, well, that's a, that's a, that's a huge absence for so many of the Catholics who are in that region. And it's a poor, it's a poor state. The Diocese of Gallup, I think, is the poorest diocese in the United States. And quite honestly, one can't think about education in a selfish or narcissistic sort of way. If the Lord calls you to be educated, and in some sense you have the gifts to be educated, you can't just keep those to yourself. You have to share those with others. And so in looking at, oh, should we found it in in the poorest part of the state or the richest part of the state, Mm -hmm. Gallup or Santa Fe? Uh, as much as Santa Fe is a is a beautiful place, in many ways, spiritually, there's so much um, fire that's in Gallup. So much fire. It's the land of enchantment, but absolutely there's something yeah. that's going on in Gallup right now. And we felt very strongly that the Lord wanted us to, to place it there. Yeah. And so we, we wanted to do that to foster really a, a type of missionary heart. Um, in the part of our of our students, mm-hmm. and so one of the things that we're talking about as part of the curriculum uh, is to have as as a part of the curriculum, maybe a four credit week, is to have every student participate in a, a full work week of like a habit a Catholic Habitat for Humanity, hmm. where every student under the guidance of a of a licensed contractor 
would, for instance, um, you know, build a house, build a home out on the reservation. Mm-hmm. And that way students get the hands-on experience of, of what we're talking about with one, some aspect of the trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also they would get course credit you know, towards the, the actual degree. But it's through the actual practical experience that a student who might not have any come to the college with any experience in the trades, he or she might then begin to see, you know, I, I absolutely love fill in the blank or yeah. I thought I liked this and oh once I actually began doing it yeah. I thought I'd yeah. never want to touch uh, but with, that way you also are contributing back to this very poor area of of the country mm-hmm. and hopefully fostering in the hearts of the students who would who would be coming to Katiri College mm-hmm. that sense of wanting to always give back one's own gifts to, right. the, to the community. One of the uh, hurdles we need to overcome is a, a sense of um, a prejudice that exists that against the working class, against manual work, but also even even in Catholic and Christian families, the idea that we need to send our sons and daughters to, to schools with great reputations. Yeah. Well, on the one hand, many of those same schools are, are living on the vapors of a, of a reputation which is no longer deserved intellectually or in terms of the faith. So our, 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 I think our first students, God willing, we get it up and running in, in 23 or 24, God willing, those students will themselves be nonconformists. In other words, all their, many of their peers will say, well, well we want to go, you know, we want to go to X or Y because yeah. of the reputation and the student life and the football team. And yeah. so our students will be nonconformists and say, no, I want a great, I want to do. great education in the liberal arts to strengthen my faith and and enhance my humanity. But also, I want a, a skill, and and if the world looks down on on that skill, so be it. But how do you convince the kids that uh, obtaining this skill yeah. is worthwhile for their yeah. life beyond? Yeah. That's a great question. Well, that's something. Obviously, I'm a big fan of uh, Mike Rowe, um, who's yeah. uh, who has a foundation called Micro Works. Um, and his his entire mission is to try to again uh, convince Americans that uh, dirty jobs or the blue collar jobs um, are worthy jobs. Um, and so that's a I mean that's a challenge to us personally for what we propose. But that's a challenge to our culture. Period. We had a really interesting conversation with some people in Raleigh mm. uh, who want to talk to us about the college. So we gave a presentation in Raleigh, and afterwards, a, a man who uh, taught high school. Uh, came up to us and he said, I have a dozen seniors who would love senior to go, men. senior men who would love this. You, what you're proposing is absolutely what they would like. He said, but their parents would never go for it. So we kind of had a little bit of a laugh because, mm. you know, there's that opposite reaction now of the, of the, of the child who rebels against their parents. You mm-hmm. know, in the past, mm-hmm. it was the farmer's son who rebelled against yeah. his farmer father and said, I'm going to school. College. Um, the college. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've got, you've got the, uh, the doctor's sons who are saying, I'm going to the farm. And so <laughs> it's a type of rebellion that's necessary. So, you had asked us before, you know, what is it that you have us tell you what we need from you? I guess to you personally, not so much, but to your listening audience, we really need people, Catholics in particular, to be willing to think outside the box, think mm-hmm. outside this cultural expectations that have really been imposed on us, and be willing to think eternally. You know, what does my child need eternally? And it may not be probably isn't, a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. Um, The parents have to be willing 
to be proud that their son or daughter has chosen a good life and say, my son is a fantastic plumber out in Midland, Texas, Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, uh, my son has a law degree from Baylor and also happens to be $250,000 in debt, Mm -hmm. stopped practicing the faith, um, is not yet married and may never be married. You know, fill in the blank. Right. Um, And so, in some sense, we need people to be willing to trust the Lord and and to live our faith in the radical way in which we are supposed to live our faith. Amen. John and Helen, thank you very much uh, for your time. We wish you nothing but uh, the best of luck and, and know that you have our prayers. Thank you. Could yeah. I mention just two and other things? Thoughts. Yeah, please. Yeah. We have started a podcast called Hands to the Plow, in which okay. we talk about the, these cultural issues of the divide and the necessity of a new type of education. So it's called Hands to the Plow, um, and really it's available in any of the podcast okay. uh, forums. Um, but we also have a website where we're trying to update it and send out a newsletter. So it's www.katiricollege.org. So if anyone in your uh, listening audience is interested in, in signing up for the newsletter or podcast, and um, I think we have a Facebook presence okay. as well. But yeah, uh, We would ask for people's prayers. We're, we're only doing this because... Uh, it's not as if we we've dreamed all our life about starting a college. <laughs> it's a it's a monumental task. We're only doing this. I, I gave up my job. I was the director of uh, Newman Institute for Catholic Thought and Culture in uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, we're doing this because we think it's what we're called to do. So we ask for people's prayers. Mm-hmm. We ask people if they're int- if they like what they see on the website, maybe to just spread the information among their circle of friends. Um, and also to find people who have been generous in the past with uh, with education or yeah. things of the church and maybe are discouraged now by what they see happening at many institutions, maybe to, to give give us a look. And that's Kateri, like the Saint mm-hmm. College mm-hmm. dot O-R-G. That's K- correct. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll make sure and certainly link to college and uh, the podcast, Hands to the Plow. I love that. It's a great name on all of our social media sites and on our website too so thank you much thank you very much thanks uh, for the opportunity to talk to you and talk to your listening audience and to be back in central texas all right thanks tom god God bless god God bless bless you you too thank you thank you for listening everyone if you liked our podcast please leave us some feedback and be sure to share it with others in order for us to be able to spread the word about the work we are trying to accomplish in Gallup, New Mexico. God bless you all.